Good morning. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Rudy, here to bring another podcast to you guys. Um, today, I got, I feel like I got a lot to say. We'll, we'll see where we go with this. But uh, if you're new to the podcast, thanks for coming. <clears throat> thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. My name is Rudy. I am here to talk about interesting things that uh, about me and about things uh, mountain bike, mostly, mostly me in mountain biking, and um, some cool things that I find in the internet that I find interesting that I like to ramble about. So this is the Rudy Rambles podcast, and here we go. So the first thing that I want to talk about is is progression on a mountain bike, and you know I feel that everybody everybody's progression um, goes. Uh, some slower than others and some quicker than others, right? Uh, I feel like for the most part in mountain biking, I started mountain biking in 2019. Um, the winter of 20, I should say, yeah, the winter of 2019, I picked up a a very basic bike and was riding paved trails. And then I got into actual mountain biking, doing single track stuff. Um, where I came from in South Dakota. And uh, once I found out that there was these places called mountain bike parks, uh, I feel like that helped progress me a lot because, um, you know, instead of mm, riding to single track, now you get to find yourself in a mountain bike park that you, you know, take the chairlift up, you know, takes your bike up. If you don't know what a mountain bike park is, it's it's a park where there's you know um, a bunch of different trails for a bunch of different um, categories of skills, and if the ski lift access, then you have the opportunity of putting your bike on the chairlift and having chairlift take you and your bike to the top, and then you're just riding the trails down. There are mountain bike parks where you have to do the climbs that are very similar. They just don't have the ski lift access. Once I found that there was a ski lift access bike park close to me, um, it was about four hours away. I was I was hooked. I would wake up at four. <clears throat> excuse me. I'd wake up at four a.m., be there by eight. One of the first people on the lift, and I would ride until they close at four, and then drive back home. Be back home around eight ish. I did that, uh, I don't know, four or five times in the summer of 2019, yeah, and I felt like that that just helped with my progression a ton because you just get to have a a lot of a lot more experiences going downhill of the trail rather than climbing up, wasting not wasting but using a lot of your energy, and then going back down riding one trail and then repeating the process going back up now where i was from there really wasn't that kind of mm, trail system so you would basically just ride flat-ish single track stuff and uh in in loops the mountain bike park has individual trails so you have a lot of different looks and these trails vary from uh, degrees of difficulties so they have green which is you know kind of like your beginner your blue which is intermediate and then they have black which is more advanced and then they have double black which is more advanced than that I guess <clears throat> you can put it that way to make things simple 
So um, being able to build your skill level up to the blacks is, you know, what you want to do. And whenever you're not having to pedal up the hills and you get to just, you know, save all of your energy to go downhill, um, you know, being at a bike park for, you know, six to eight hours uh, is a lot better um, for progressing, I think, than, you know, if you were to live in an area where you could only pedal up, you know, your, uh, especially in the beginning, you know, your 12, maybe 22. I mean, if you live in an area where you got, you know, 3,000 plus feet of, of, uh, of a climb, um, like you're only going to do that once, maybe twice. Uh, or if you can get what they call a shuttle, right, where you're at a certain location where you pay or you have a friend that you can load your bike in like the back of the truck and then they take you up to the top of the hill, meet you down at the bottom, and, uh, you know, you can do that several times. <clears throat> that would also help with your progression too. Anyways, back to my own progression, right? So I feel like I progressed rather quickly in that sense because I was willing to go to these mountain bike parks that were, you know, four-ish hours away and um, and ride them as much as I could so that I could build up the confidence and the skills needed to, um, to jump, uh, to ride uh, features and things like that. Now, not all mountain bike parks are created equal and some have different features than others and um, and that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit besides progressing is the features because, um, you know, progressing as a mountain biker it, it comes at many different levels. You know what I mean? From, you know, whenever you first start, uh, just simply building up the endurance to ride some single track, you know, with, without, um, without being too tired, um, uh, being able to do it more than once a week, you know, um, but then once you get to the areas where you have like, um, rollers that you can pump or uh, really rocky obstacles or really narrow passageways or tough climbs where you um, you know have to be in the right gear the right speed and, and keep it going like these th there's so many different levels of progressing in mountain biking and um, if you're new to the mountain biking you're probably figuring that out uh, but as you advance, you know, you get to start doing these wall rides and cannon jumps and uh, gap jumps, table jumps, and uh, you start to learn how to, like, do, like, manuals and, you know, wheeling and all these other things. So the past three weeks, I've, I've actually done quite a bit of progression in, in my own. So about three weeks ago, I went to this uh, mountain bike park. Uh, called 512 free ride um, it's it's like per it's I feel like it's purposefully built for progression and these guys do amazing work on the trails a lot of woodwork um, a lot of shoveling and the trails aren't like super long like they're you know 30 to 45 second runs but that also helps with being able to conserve your energy and take a nice um, a nice, you know, three to five minute climb back up so that you can do these 30 to 45 second runs over and over again throughout the day. So this 512 free ride <clears throat> is the same as like most mountain bike trails. 
and parks where they have um, you know green blues and blacks um, and a lot of these are rated on what features and jumps and things that they have so for example their green line is just you know everything's like really small as far as their tables go the speed isn't like crazy fast and the next the next line is still a green line but it's a little bit bigger you get to go a little bit faster the tabletops are a little bit taller um, a little bit longer and um, there's a berm at the end that you get to practice on a right hand berm so that's pretty cool now advancing to the next one um, the next is is the next line would be like their 512 free ride and that one's got um, a lot more speed and well not a lot more speed I shouldn't say I shouldn't put it that way it's it's faster because you have to accumulate the skills from the green trails to help you advance on the next blue trail so once you get good at doing the stuff that's on the green and you realize how to pick up speed with your pumps and using the rollers and coming off the face of the jumps then you start to realize that the speed that you need to clear the bigger jumps um, is a little bit faster obviously and the steepness of the jumps are a little bit st steeper um, the faces of them and the tables are a little bit longer because now you have all this speed that you've accumulated so the trajectory of the jumps going to throw you further um, and then within that within that um, that trail that blue trail there's also a um, kind of like a cannon jump where it's just a plank that goes up steadily um, at like a I don't know probably like a 45 degree maybe something like that 45 50 degree and then you just uh, there's a little little gap in there like maybe half a bike length and then it comes down um, onto a backside uh, of dirt and then you continue on and the trails get bigger you might have to pedal into some of the the jumps um, but you can make them uh, and then on down the trail there's uh, gets to go a little bit faster and the jumps are a little bit what we call lippier where the angle kinda shoots you more up than out um, so you, you kinda have to develop the skill of realizing that you don't have to get shot out as much as you need to go up plant the bike down um, and it knows you know knows the bike down on onto the uh, the transition of the backside of the of the table um, the next the next one that they have I, I think it's a black it was called like slingshot or something like that now this this is this is this had a feature on it that I'm not real familiar with it, it's like a, it's a plank jump some of them call them a cannon jump or a log jump or something like that and that's just it you know it kind of continuously climbs up to about a 50 a 50 uh, 60 degree angle <clears throat> and then it just it just drops off it just you know it just stops and you launch off that um, you clear a gap so which means that there's uh, an area where there's no dirt there's no wood or anything between you and the landing and then there's a pile of dirt piled up with a backside transition that you land on now 
those ones you hit with a little bit more speed because <clears throat> as you're climbing, as, as you're going down the trail and you approach this, um, this incline uh, to get to the end of the plank, um, you're going to lose speed. And you really want to make sure you have all of your pedals in before you get to the feature. It's not one of those features that, um, I mean, just like any jump, you really don't want to be pedaling you know, into the face of the jump. You want to make sure that your pedals are nice and level, and then you get ready to do whatever action it is that you need to do the jump. Now, I think for the most part, you can really mm, use these the same action as you would use for a drop. You don't necessarily have to jump. If you have the speed that you need to create the space or to go through the space that you need of the gap to hit the transition, um, there's not really any popping that you have to do. Um, you're more, obviously, if you pop off of it, that's going to give you a little bit more insurance to ensure that you're going to make it to the transition, but that pop could also be too much to take you through the transition, and then you just end up um, going to flat. Now, depending on how high this cannon jump or log jump or um, is, uh, I mean, that could be detrimental. You could you could land a flat and lose control and, and crash, right? So after you do this, um, this cannon jump, you have a wall ride that is a, it's a left bank wall ride. Um, it's not very high, probably six or seven feet. Um, and then you transition off of that onto a, what is it? What would you call it? It's kind of like a it's it's a wooden feature and it's low risk although it is it is a tall feature probably at the highest i bet it's probably nine feet maybe ten feet but you come off this wall ride and you hit this wooden this wooden feature that um is plenty wide for your tires i wouldn't call it a skinny it's probably um at the narrowest it's probably two feet wide and then it gets wider as you go up the feature, um, and then it drops down into, you, you drop off of it onto another platform, and then you have another small cannon jump that's maybe five feet, and then you uh, come off of that, put in a couple of pedals, and then you have a pretty, um, a pretty decent, what they call a creek gap jump. And... Um, that one's that one's not lippy at all. It's just it's almost like the it's almost like the same trajectory as a cannon jump. Now the cannon jump is something that I I don't I haven't had the opportunity to have a lot of tries on something like that. I went to a I went to a, a what do you call it a a, a mountain bike park in uh, Slinger. Wisconsin, the Little Swiss Bike Park, and they had a couple of them there, um, and they had progressive ones. So they had, you know, probably like a like a two foot, a four foot, six foot, and like a eight or nine foot one, right? Like like this, the last one was like really big. Anyways, I did like the six foot one, and yeah, it was okay. Um, they just wasn't like my favorite feature because as you're coming up to these. They're steep, and like I said, you want to have all your pedals in before you get to these, and then they just 
they just kind of drop off. So the landing, the landing is pretty blind. Um, and I think that's probably for me, what scares me the most is not being able to see the landing, um, until you're basically off the edge of it. Right. And, you know, you can walk up it a bunch of different times, but until you're on your bike and on top of it, like it really doesn't give you a great perspective of how much higher that you are, you know, on top of your bike. Anyways, so this Canon feature, I did uh, one run up to it, and then uh, I had a friend of mine tow me in, and if you don't know what tow in is, that's where you have somebody that's usually done the feature, you know, a few times before, and what you try to do is follow them into the feature with the same speed so that you don't overshoot or undershoot or you have less of a chance of doing either or so that you can, um, it just helps give you confidence um, that you're going to have the right speed so that you can complete the feature. So um, I did one run up to it by myself and then my friend Mike towed me in to the feature and I was scared. I was I was pretty scared, um, but uh, you know it, it's not something that's out of my um, abilities. Like it's really not. Like it's not that the the gap of it is too far. It's not that the landing is rough or I don't know how to land it. Um, it's just one of those features that I haven't done a a bunch of times. So, anyways, I followed my friend Mike in and hit it. And it was just it was just smooth. I just matched his speed, um, came off of it. Um, I didn't pop off of it. I just rode off of it, basically like like it was a uh, like it was a drop, and uh, went on the transition nice and smooth. And then the the next feature, of course, is is the wall ride. And I know how to do wall rides, um, especially shorter ones. The ones there's still a wall ride at uh, at uh, Spider Mountain that gets the best of me, but. Uh, nonetheless, uh, got the wall ride done, got the feature done, and then the next step is going to do the the next like um, cannon shot jump and then the creek gap jump. And after I got the the drop, that was like that was the hardest thing for me. Everything else is just like like butter, like easy, like just one of those things that you know I don't have any fear of. Like I can see all the landings. There's no sketchiness. Everything's built really nicely. And uh, so then we end up doing, uh, we go back up to the top, we end up doing a run from top to bottom. And I did it on my first try. And man, like the the stoke that you get whenever you complete um, a line that, that has, a, especially that has a bunch of features, right? Like this thing, it has uh, a couple of tabletops before it. It's got a really small whale tail. Um, and then it's got, uh, you know, a, a nice pedally section up to this uh up to this cannon jump the I, I mean it's probably only a bike length and a half gap from the cannon jump to the landing um and then the wall rides nice and smooth the feature up to the uh to the tall drop i mean everything was just went really good right so got that knocked out and the next feature at this place called 512 freeride is their their six pack jumps there's an a line and there's a b line and you can kind of mix and match in between the two um, lines because there's there's base they call it six pack because there's six jumps. Now the first jump um, I was calling the price of entry because it's it's a really lippy jump into a steep um, downward landing. 
So you hit the jump, you nose into the you nose into the landing, and you where you drop in from um, gives you more than enough speed. Um, but there's a lot of commitment because you have you you drop off the mm, what is it? I don't know the drop zone. I guess so. It's really high platform and it's got a nice wide um, steep roller that goes into this first jump. Uh, so the the or the flight deck maybe that's what they call it. I can't remember. But you you're on top of this. You're on top of this. We're gonna call it the flight deck. You're on top of this flight deck and you're dropping in. And the drop in's like maybe eight foot to the bottom of the dirt, and then you have maybe another twelve feet before you um, enter into this first jump on six pack. And like I said, it's really lippy, and you're you land on a downside um, landing. So the first the first jump into it is is pretty. Mm, scary i mean how, how do i say it like it like i said i was calling it the price of admission i feel like if you're not willing to do that feature first that jump first and it's a black trail then you probably shouldn't be doing the rest of them and anyways they do have a beeline for that first jump and it's just a little hip jump a uh, little left hand hip jump and then you have probably um 35 I'm going to say 25 yards before you hit either of your second jump on this six pack. And um, all the jumps are, are really lippy. Um, so you carry speed and you, you know, you hit the face of the jump and you kind of let the, you kind of let the, uh, you kind of let the jump um, send you in the trajectory that you need to come downside on the, on the lips. And I, me personally, whenever it comes to um, that lippy of a jump, um, and then it being a gap, so it's it's a wooden it's a wooden kicker into a dirt landing. Like I do like that, but they are all gap jumps. They're every one of them are gap jumps after the uh, after the first one. So finding the speed was was my difficult part. So. Um, I did the price of admission twice, and I got real comfortable with it um, after the third time, or, or after the second time, I got real comfortable with it. So I decided that I was going to um, follow my friend Mike in so that I can match his speed for the first jump um, on the A-line side of the six-pack. So I went and I jumped up, did the first jump, and then I pedaled. I think what what threw me off is that I couldn't gauge um, Mike's speed after the landing, so we both drop in, you know, basically the same time. Um, but I had, like I said, I just I didn't gauge his speed, and it seemed like he was going faster than me, so I pedaled to kind of catch up. Anyways, I ended up pedaling too much, and I hit the first jump to hit the A line gap, which is probably. Oh, I'm going to say probably 20 feet ish, something like that on the A side gap. And I overshot it. I like wait, I, I overshot it so much that um, when the trajectory, the trajectory probably shot me out two feet past 
the end of the landing. And um, it had me going in nose first, which normally is fine if you're coming down on on the, the landing. Like you, you kind of want to come down nose first, which is fine, um, except that I wasn't on the landing. I was a couple of feet past it. And I seen the landing pass by. I held on to the handlebars. I let the bike take the most of the the damage. And then I ate shit. And I had elbow pads on. And I had pants on too. That was really nice. And knee pads. But my elbow pads scooted all the way up past my elbow, leaving me a nasty road rash. Anyways, make the long story short here. Um, I got up, cleaned myself off, went back, um, dressed the wound, put my elbow pad back on, and I was determined that I was going to beat this, uh, beat this line. I was going to complete this line, uh, however you want to put it, beat it, win it, finish it, complete it. So I went back up and, uh, and, um, started off just working on the B line because I was... Obviously, I was I was spooked from the A line because I thought I was going fast enough, and ended up going too fast. So, just decided that I was going to work on the B line. So I did them one at a time, and nobody gave me any shit about it. You know, everybody coached me out. Every you know coached me into it. Um, you know, trying to help me keep the stoke alive, and I uh, was able to throughout that day. Um, I was able to complete the B line side of the 512 free ride. Now the thing that's really nice about being able to mm, overcome being injured, uh, not being able to do or, you know, not stopping where you, you got hurt, you know, getting back on the horse and just getting right back to it is that you get over the fear of what had happened and it helps, I think, keep you from having a mental block uh, makes you stronger right anyways <clears throat> um, after that weekend we decided that we were going to go to Revly Peak um, basically the same group of guys so we went to Revly Peak and at Revly Peak um, it's a mountain bike park um, they have a lot of different trails a lot of enduro trails a lot of um, cross-country trails and they have probably the best jump lines in Texas like they do a lot of really good work and, and I could get in I could I could spend a lot of time rambling about that but what I want to get at is is pro progression right so they have this they have this jump line called um, Dos Verdes and it's a very um, a very to me it's a very mild jump line it's a blue it's a blue jump line um, it's got some it's got some high-speed uh, jumps on it. Everything's tabled. There's no gaps. Uh, they got some good berms um, in between there. Like, it's a really good – like, you should really get bored of doing that before you step up to the next jump line, which I want to talk about now, which is the El Patron. On El Patron, the jumps basically get bigger and faster as you go down the line. I should count how many jumps there are. So we decided that we were going to kind of break it up. We were going to do 
the first half of the jumps and then do the second half of the jumps. Well, we ended up getting to the point where the first half of the jumps were getting, coming pretty regularly. Pretty regularly. The last one we were calling the gatekeeper because it seemed like that one, um, both me, my friend Mike, and my friend Steven kept on casing it just a little bit, like just not having quite enough to, to get there. Anyways, um, we were getting pretty pretty regular with that, and then the guys started building this are the guys that were building this new jump line, I don't even think it has a name yet, um, were uh, starting to ride it. Now, this jump line, it was real, first of all, it was really windy that day too. Luckily for us at El Patron, the wind was to our backs, but on this other jump, the wind was kind of in our face. Anyways, the this new trail needed to be ridden on and packed down so that, you know, as, as, um, as you ride it, the more riders, the more wheels, the more weight, that's on it, the more it's going to get packed down, the faster it's going to get, the less effort you're going to have to put into it in order to make these runs. Anyways, they have um, on this jump trail uh, two of my favorite features, which are called step-ups. One of them's about a, I'm going to guess it's probably like a six-foot step-up, and um, it's got a really steep face to it. And then it's got a nice berm at the back of it. And then and probably, what would we say, probably like a like a 15-foot gap after that. Or not uh, not gap, a 15-foot table after that. It's, it's very steep. Like it sends you up pretty, really good. And then uh, right after that, there is another step up. And this one's even steeper. And it's probably just a hair shorter, maybe like a 7-foot um, uh, step up from lip to landing. Anyways, a lot of fun, a lot, a lot of fun. We had to pedal into everything, and um, but everybody was pretty much able to do it. I, I was able to clear both step ups once that day. Um, and it was towards the end. I think you know we'd finally got enough wheels on the ground, but with the wind, I think that was also holding us back. So, um. We go back over to El Patron and we do those lines. We feel like we got you know a little bit more confidence. We're pedaling into them a little bit harder, and um, we are. We're starting to clear those things like on the regular. So we're pretty much done with the day, and um, we come back the following weekend. This is yeah one weekend away, and we are able to get back to Patron. And me and we all kind of warmed up on Dos Verdes again. Uh, everything was running really well. There was next to no wind. I think I don't think the, the temperature reached over 65 degrees that day. Um, it was really, really good. Anyways, me and my friend Steven were bound and determined that we were going to finish the El Patron line. So after we did one warm-up lap on... Uh, when we did one warm-up lap on Dos Verdes, we came back to El Patron and started warming up on that, you know. And it was running really, really well, really good. Like, it was running fast. I had good tire pressure. Um, the lips were sharp. They just felt, everything just felt really good. And um, except for the gatekeeper, we are still just kind of baby-casing a little bit on the gatekeeper. 
anyways, I had mentioned last week to my friend Steven that we should probably, you know, we should just start committing to having to, knowing that we're going to have to maybe put in a pedal or two um, after the gatekeeper and then to start finishing the line. So this next run up, the very next run up, Steven says, hey, let's, let's just take it all the way, you know, as far as we can. And, uh, you know, we'll pedal through the sections that we, that we have to. So Steven drops in, I go in right behind him. And, uh, that's what we do. We get to the gatekeeper. We both case it. Um, I actually get a little bit further over to the right coming off of it. Um, but screw it, you know, uh, I pedaled into the next one, kind of landed on top of that, like almost 50, 50 cased it and, uh, didn't care. I was like, you know, whatever, I'm just going to pedal into it. And, uh, so we pedaled into it and we made it, um, to the next three, four jumps, which is the, there's, there's one fast rolling table two fast rolling table and then I think it's a step up right after that like it's a long step up and then it goes into the really steep kind of uh, step up jump which is El Patron but it's not a step up it's a table it's a really long table probably like a 30 foot table um, but the run out's like really really long so you can't really overshoot it but um, we made it to the roller and my friend, friend Steven hit the brakes because he said the one, the, uh, he had gotten a gust of wind before that. So he pulled the brakes, but man, I was, I was, I was in it. I thought we were doing it. I felt really good on that run. And, uh, so we just, uh, we made the commitment to run back up to the top or, you know, take our bikes back up to the top and like, just, let's just get this thing done, man. And I was stoked and nervous at the same time. Um, we got up to the top. You know, we rested for a little bit, and then we bombed down that trail. And uh, I cased the gatekeeper and the one after that way worse than the first try, but I didn't care. I was bound and determined, so I pedaled into everything else that I needed to. And then uh, hitting that, hitting the, um, everything else after that that I pedaled into, I cleared. It was great. It was really, really good. But going into the step up, I felt like I was going too fast, but I had never hit that El Patron jump before that 30 foot table. So I figured, you know, the landing's like really long and wide for sure. There's no way I'm going to overshoot it, but my commitment wasn't quite there. So whenever I popped off the top, it wasn't, it wasn't a full comfortable jump, I, I should say. So I ended up kind of dead sailoring a little bit and landing nose heavy and um, kind of like I did at 512 free ride, but I just, you know, I tried to keep my handlebar straight. I came down, uh, my back wheel came down and I went through the roughest section that you could. Like there's a section in between El Patron and the drop zone and I was able to squeeze through there without having a rock catch me or flip me off my bike. I mean, it was absolutely insane. So I almost died. I mean, almost died, got to the bottom where me and me and fricking, uh, Steven are like hooting and hollering. And I, I think I was more, I think I was more stoked that I didn't die than that. I actually made it to the bottom of the trail, but I know that there's a lot of that, a lot of that there. Uh, anyways, I got a video of the whole thing. It was absolutely insane. Anyways, so we knew we didn't clean that. We knew that we made it for the first time. And now I have a good idea of how much speed I need to have 
So me and Steven go right back up to the top and um, go to hit El Patron immediately. So we get back up, you know, we walk our bikes back up there. You know, we're talking about how good it was and, 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 and how shitty it was that, that we cased everything, but we were able to pedal through it. We still made it. Like, the Stokers, Stokers legit. It was just really, really good. So then we get to the top. We rest up a little bit, and we pedal into it, um, El Patron. And, uh, again, I case um, not not the uh, gatekeeper, but the, the next one for whatever reason. I didn't care. Pedaled into it, and... Uh, Ended up feeling like I had too much speed to hit the last jump, the last jump on El Patron. And uh, so I did. I kind of did a little bit of a comfort brake check, which was perfect because I came off the lip and I popped really good. I came down on the backside of it, like just buttery smooth. Like I was, and now, now the stoke for me was like real. Like now I feel like I completed it. I got it done and I was able to hit that last jump, like, and I had been trying, like, I've been here in Texas for a year, and since, I don't know, probably like the second month that I was here, like, El Patron's been there the whole time. So I've, I've been looking at it, and I've only ever done, like, the first four or five jumps, and then I got a little bit further with my friend Steven and, and Mike, and, and now I finally got this thing done. But this took me almost a year, a year over a year I, I actually i take that back it took me over a year to actually complete this um to complete this jump trail and you know i felt like i mentioned before like i'm a pretty advanced rider advanced pretty quick from 2019 to today <clears throat> with being able to go to all the mountain bike parks and do all the features and you know be thrown in a bunch of different scenarios but um i just i just didn't make it all the way down this trail and finally i did and um so i we're stoked you know we're stoked we got that done um we went back over to now since we have that done we went back over to um to the new jump trail like i said they don't really have a name for it but there's these step ups right and um me and steven are just hitting these things like getting to the point where i feel like i can start like doing tables or, you know, start to turn my bars and try to throw some whips out there. Um, but there's, it's starting to get easier. Like I'm, I'm actually towards the end of the day, I was actually getting to the point where I didn't have to pedal after the first table, after the first table, I would get down to the bottom, I would pump twice, and then I would have just enough energy to pop up onto the, um, the first, uh, step up. Um, and that felt really good, a really, really good. Like it's just being able to do all that progression in one day was sick. Right. So me and Steven, they also have this, this large whale tail there where it's probably a, um, five foot ish kicker into a probably 12 foot tall whale tail. And, uh, then it comes down it's about five foot on the, on the flat. And then, it, of course, it's a whale tail, so it has a kicker at the very end of it with maybe like a four or six-foot uh, little table at the end to run out on. Anyway, same thing. I had been eyeing this thing up for over a year, and um, there's a feature at 512 Freeride that's pretty similar. Um, it's more of like a lily pad. So it's got like a, like a, a five-and-a-half, maybe six-foot kicker. And then you land flat 
on like the top of the tabletop and then it has a drop immediately after that um so i mean it, it's a black feature it, it's it's a it's it's a feature that's you know you're you know you hit the you hit the kicker that that sends you up to the top of this lily pad and you're standing up there you know probably 11 12 feet and then you're on top of your bike so you're you know your head head height you're probably sitting at like 15 feet and then you do this drop so that helped prepare me for this i felt and you know i'd been kind of eyeballing it up and i told everybody you know i was like today's a day today's a day that that i get on this freaking i do this uh i do this whale tail here at Revly peak man and um uh my friend steven uh he's all about it too he's he's all about progressing and trying to get this this uh this stuff done too so my friend steven actually pedals into this thing without being towed in because like we just have all of this all of this like stoke we have all this ambition to get this thing done um we have all this energy you know we feel like we have the skill because we've 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 been able to accomplish you know so much today already like let's let's hit this freaking let's hit this uh whale tail and so steven goes into it by himself without pedal or without uh being towed in and uh he makes it he makes it just fine i mean he cases the top of it a little bit i wouldn't say that he really clean cleared it but he got it done without being towed in and uh, i thought that was pretty sick he actually went into it twice the first time he pedaled into it and um something happened on the jump before he didn't feel comfortable so he bailed but then he just you know he walked his bike back up to the to the uh to the drop-in area dropped in pedaled into it and hit that shit man and i was i was stoked for him that he was able to do it, which gave me confidence knowing that, you know, if it, obviously if my, if my friend Steven that I've done all this progression with today, if he can do it, like I can do it too. Right. So I, uh, I go up there and, uh, there's another friend of ours, Greg. Um, he, I would say he, he's definitely more stylish rider, probably a little bit more advanced than both me and Steven. And he asked me if, uh, he wants me to tow him tow if he asked me if I want him to tow me in. Earlier, Stephen had asked Greg if uh, he wanted to be, if he could tow him in. And Greg, of course, said, yeah, for sure. You know, I've done this thing a hundred times. Let's do it. Um, anyways, uh, whatever, for whatever reason, uh, Stephen couldn't wait, so he did it on his own. So now me and Greg are up there, and he's like, he's like, you're doing the whale tail. Like, you know, yeah. And uh, he's like, you want me to tow you in? And part of me, part of me kind of wanted to do what, uh, Steven did without being towed in and just do it because, and I, and I had, I had good confidence. Like it wasn't out of my skill level that I could do it. Um, but I was like, sure, you know, let's, let's go. So, uh, it was just that quick. And then, um, Greg goes pedaling into it and I'm, you know, trying to keep control and match his speed. And, um, Greg comes over it with a little bit of style and kind of whips the tail out. And at the same time, he had had too much, uh, he had too much and ended up overshooting the landing and his front tire basically landed at the bottom which kind of threw his bike off to the right um and of course you know again remember he's towing me in so i am right behind him i'm right on his butt so he is literally crashing on the jump that i'm in the air i have no control of now i'm, I'm in the air and I can see him crashing to my right. And he jumps off. Like him and his bike like totally get out of the way. I I miss him and his bike on the landing. I jump off. Like 
I was stoked that I went over the top and I felt my tires come down. I'm like, yeah, you know, with stoke. And then I see him like jumping off and I'm like, Oh crap. Oh shit. You know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I bail out. I, I, you know, get off my bike real quick. I run up there and my poor, my poor buddy, whenever he jumped off, um, somehow landed on his ankle wrong and, uh, broke, broke his ankle, like literally broke his ankle sucked, man. It really, really sucked. I didn't know what to do. You know, we called for help. We got help for him right away. He went in, um, and we got video of everything. I sent him the video. It sucked, dude. It sucked that he got hurt like that. And, uh, he was towing me in and I don't know exactly how to feel about it. Like, like he would have done it anyways. Like if I didn't, if I didn't ask to be towed in, like he probably wouldn't have done it. Um, because we had been hitting the, the bigger jump line that comes off of that same uh, whale tail feature. I don't know. I kind of, like, I felt bad that, because, like I said, I almost didn't ask him. Or I almost told him, no, you know, I'm good. I got this. Um, but, you know, anytime somebody offers to tow you in, you kind of, it's kind of one of those things where, like, yeah, let's do it. You know, let's go, you know. And, and then, you know, you do party laps. Like, we were doing party laps on the other stuff, like, just, I don't know, just kind of a freak accident. And like, you know, like he said, he did it a hundred times, but I talked to him later and he said that, you know, he pedaled into that where he, he probably didn't have to, well, obviously he didn't have to pedal. And that's kind of what, what sent him a little deep, um, on the transitions, which put his, you know, which he bottomed out and rolled off and sucks, man, that sucks. But I uh, got back on my bike and I wanted to do it again. You know, in the mountain bike world, a lot of people like to try to do, you know, these new features um, three times to say that you, you've you gotten it, like you, you completed it. Anyways, uh, I didn't do it three times, but I did get back on my bike after we got, um, got uh, Greg squared away. I got back on my bike, and I pedaled in and do it, and I made it clean, no problem. And like I said, like the progression through these past three weeks have been like, just amazing to be able to knock out all of Patron, the step up features that they have there and the, um, the wall rides, the wall rides, the drops, the lily pad six pack at five twelve free ride. And now finally getting the whale tail feature out of the way. And, uh, the next thing I want to do is after the whale tail feature, there's this right hand hip jump that comes down and then you pedal into another cannon jump into um, off of a boat, which is pretty dope. And then what's after that? There's like another, like another, like 20 foot, um, pretty good sender. So I still have, there's still stuff at Reveille peak, um, that I haven't mastered. Also at Reveille peak, they have like these three, I'm sorry, they have these five drop zones and I've done three of the five. And the next one on my list is number four, but I'll probably never do number five because it's so high that, um, I've only ever seen people do it on a downhill bike. So probably won't make it to that one. Not to mention like the risk of that one. Just, it just looks crazy. Like absolutely insane. Um, what else is there? I mean, there's plenty of trails that I've done. Um, but those features, like just getting all these features knocked out. So whenever you go to like a bike park, that's, that's bigger, that has all these features, like you're not scared to do and I think that we're lucky here in Texas that we have people that are willing to build these features and make these features um, so that we can uh, get better 
as writers for not only our area, but whenever you go to visit other places so that you can do these, um, do these features too. So the next thing that I have to knock out, man, I have got to get, I have got to get over the fear, fear of the wall ride at the, um, at spider mountain. Like I have, I've been there, you know, once a month for, since I've had my season pass at least, or sorry to say once a month, probably say like four times a month since I've had my season pass. Although I haven't been there in about a month, <laughs> but up to that point, anyways, on uh, recluse, they have the, uh, the Texas wall ride and that thing wadded me up and spit me out. And I've had kind of like a little mental block there ever since. So I really need to get over that too. But, um, that's for, that's for another, another day. Uh, let's see where, where are we at with our, with our, uh, the other day, 48 minutes. I talked about that features and progressions and stuff like that. And what I really wanted to get into, and you know what, I'm going to try to, excuse me, I'm going to try to fast forward a little bit through this. Cause, the, um, you know, on pink bike, they got the baller versus budget deal. And, um, I'm at the point now where I have talked to you guys about it and we're at the baller versus budget um, contact points and that's where they they replace the uh, the grips the handlebars the stems uh, seat and seat post and of course they give Henry like the cheaper cheap of everything and they had given him a nine dollar stem twenty dollar handlebars uh, an eighty five dollar seat dropper seat post and uh, I don't know if they mentioned how much they paid for the seat but uh, Jason, on the other hand, <laughs> ended up getting uh, the most expensive stem I've ever heard of, $280 for the stem, uh, full carbon um, stem and handlebars. The handlebars are another uh, $170, uh, like just crazy to think of how much money that is. So then uh, Henry's grips, they paid $12 for his grips. Um they got Jason $120 rev grips and uh, you know, they go through, they put all this stuff on their bikes and they, they talk about how good or how crappy this stuff is. And Oh, Jason's pedals, Jason's pedals. They end up giving him the stamp brother like nines or something like that. They're $300 pedals. They're like literally, I think they were gold plated. Um, oh, and then his, his SQ lab seat was $280 for Jason's seat. Oh my gosh. Oh, and they gave him a, a reserve or not a reserve an axis, uh, reverb dropper seat post, which is electric. So there's no cable that that's sick. I, I, I want one of those really bad myself. I think that's, that's great. And actually the whole axis system I think is legit, like dropping two cables and going wireless, like. I'm in on that. I can't wait until I can uh, afford to get something like that. I'm just going through my notes here. Again, I'm kind of fast forwarding through because I just kind of want to get this out there because they're they're already, this is like episode three and I think they're on like episode six and I haven't had a chance to really sit down and visit with you guys about it. So um, Henry mentions, you know, okay, so they get all this stuff installed on their bikes Um and they go out to go ride. And the first thing they talk about is the seat and the seat post. Now, the seat post that they had given Henry is an $85 externally routed seat post 
that he could only route through his top tube. And I think it was only like a hundred millimeter of dropper seat post, which he says that, you know, it seems like it works really well. Um, so on their climb up, they're talking about that. And Henry had asked Jason what he thought about his seat. And he said he was on the fence about the seat because um, it wasn't really fitting him very good. And it seemed like his shorts were getting caught on the corners um, because there's like, you know, sharp edge corners. And he asked Henry what he thought about his seat. And Henry actually really liked his seat. He, he thought it was uh, it was he thought it was like a couch cushion. He thought and it does look like a couch cushion. It looks looks horrendous. But um, I think they both agreed at the end that they would both rather have Henry's seat over Jason's seat. So uh, let's see, fast forward. Oh, they were talking about their pedals. And then so Henry's pedals were like these really cheap <laughs> oil slick pedals uh, that he was only able to put one on because he something was wrong with the the threads on the other one. He wasn't able to take it out or maybe it was the – the bolt was stripped out or something. I don't remember, but he could only put one of the, one of the pedals on. So he said it's an improvement over the other pedals, but he was only able to use one of them as to where, uh, of course, uh, Jason's got $300, uh, pedals on. So big difference there. I'm sure they are way lighter and way smoother. And then they have the really nice pens to help keep your feet in place. Um, where are we at here? Oh, yeah. So they get to the ride down and they're talking about their, their upgrades. Right. And, you know, Henry, Henry posted a good, a good point. You know, he had a $9 stem, $20 handlebar and it held up, but I'm with Henry. Like, I would be scared to ride a $9 stem and $20 handlebar. Like it's like that not only did, are they doing a budget bike on Henry, but it's like, they're just finding the cheapest stuff that they can find on the internet rather than actually giving him a budget. And I think, I hope that somebody or later on, maybe they actually do, uh, do a budget bike where they're, they give, um, Maybe they give both both bikes uh, an actual budget where one is slightly more than the other one is. Or maybe your budget bike is half of what you spend on your baller bike. I don't know. I would I would have been I would have been like Henry. I would have been just as scared to ride a nine dollar sim and twenty dollar handlebar. That if they were going to bend or hold up or even snug tighten down on your stem I don't know. Anyways, um, what did they do? Uh, oh, so anyways, contact points. So they, they seem like as far as the contact points, everybody got along with everything. And the only other thing was like on the rev grips. Um, Jason mentioned that he didn't really notice a big difference other than they felt odd that they had, you know, that he had to put so much trust in that they would stay where they were at because they would move. And he didn't see the, he didn't really feel the benefit of those, uh, handlebar or the, the handlebar grips because 
where they were at, they weren't really going very fast, and it didn't um, didn't pose the ability to use what Rev Grip is supposed to be known for, which is you know helping with the chatter and the hand pump and things like that. So, uh, other than that, that was the contact point episodes, and uh, next week I will try and touch on either. Their next next week's episode, if you guys haven't watched it already, is I'm gonna tell you is about suspension, and that's like that's kind of my favorite one so far because I feel like the suspension is going to make the most difference. So if you get a chance, check out Pink Bike um, Baller versus Budget uh, episodes, and uh, let me know what you think. I'm having a blast watching them, and I think it's a great idea on what they're doing, although. I think there's things that they could change, but I guess we'll see. Anyways, until then, guys, peace out. Thanks for listening. Go ride your bike.